my goodness. Oh, <laughs> it's happening. It is. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How Hello. Are you? Good. How are you? Good. There's so many books in the background. <laughs> We're in the bookstore. Yep. You're listening to Open Books, a show about bookstores by people in bookstores. I'm your host, Charlotte Kololuka, and today I'm joined by my fellow bookseller, Hannah Oxley, who interviewed debut author Francesca Flores with me. Francesca's book, Diamond City, is about a teenage assassin named Ina, who's at the top of her game until, well, you'll have to read the book to find out. Not a young adult fan? Stick around for Francesca's thoughts on why YA is for everyone. Thank you very much for being here. Like we already said, we are here with Francesca Flores, the author of Diamond City, which comes out today, technically. (laughs) Um, So we are so excited to talk to you about your book. And we have both read Diamond City and we both loved it. Two thumbs way up. Yes. (laughs) And we could say what it's about, but since you're here, would you mind telling us about Diamond City? Since it is your book, baby, we want to hear from you. What is this book about? And it doesn't need to be the elevator pitch. It can Mm. be as gushy as you want. We love that. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm so glad you both love the book. That means a lot to me. Um, So it is about an assassin, and she's just, like, trying to make money and stay in the house that she's lived in since she was 12. If she messes up on a job, she'll get kicked out. So she really needs to, like, be on top of those murders. Um, (laughs) She works with her best friend, a guy named Teo, and they're going on this job together to kill this really rich guy. Um, But then something happens, and the job gets messed up, and then everybody wants to kill Ina. So the whole book is just her trying to not get killed and trying to get paid. This (laughs) This is your first book, correct? Yes, there's uh, it's a duology. And so then, there's another uh, one coming. Book that will be a, another young adult fantasy. All Ooh. right, you heard I'm it very here first. To know. <laughs> Sweet. So being your first book, last week on our podcast we talked about how books come to us in the bookstore and kind of what their life cycle looks like in the store getting to customers, but we didn't really talk about what they look like before they even get to us. So what did yeah. the writing part of this book look like for you because I know it's different for everyone yeah um so I wrote my first completed manuscript when I was 18 and I drafted a lot of manuscripts before trying to get published I just turned 28 um last week oh yeah happy birthday um, happy birthday (laughs) thank you so much um but I didn't really focus on revisions very much with all of those drafts so for me, with Diamond City, I drafted it very quickly in about two months, but then I edited for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was January 2017 that I started drafting. I finished drafting in March that year, and then I got my agent in July 2017. So that was like a few months of revising. And then uh, we revised together for a year before going on submission to publishers. Oh my goodness. And I really liked that revision process. I think it taught me a lot about story structure and plotting. So I was happy to have that. And then we went on submission in June, 2018. The book sold really fast. I think partially because of how long we revised before going on submission, it Mm -hmm. sold in a week. And then um, (laughs) I did one bigger round of content edits with my editor and then a smaller round with line edits and then we went into the copy edits and past pages 
A week? Your book sold in a week? Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> with my agent and about six months drafting and revising before getting an agent. <laughs> that is still outstanding. Was there an incident or a moment or just kind of like a weird spiritual moment with the muse where you were like, this is the story I want to tell to say this thing I want to say. Yeah, when yeah. the idea just popped so in your the head. the first things that came to me were the setting and Ina. And I didn't have a like, super full picture of who she would be. I was just getting these sort of excerpts and sort of these beliefs that she had about the world. And I was getting them in her voice. And just, I could tell that she was a really opinionated, strong girl, but that there were reasons that she's had to learn how to sort of be so loud mm. and to stick up for herself in a lot of ways. And so I started to wonder why. And I knew she was uh, strong, like, physically. I knew she was someone that people kind of feared. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to look into that, too. Like, why they fear her, like, what she feels about being feared, if it's something she likes, if it's something that she has just had to do and has forced herself to like, or if it's something that she doesn't like. So I wanted to explore, mm-hmm. like, all of those different parts of it. Um, and the other thing I first came up with was the setting. I knew I wanted it to be, like, a sort of pretty industrializing city. I started drafting like a month after like brainstorming stuff. And then I think around, honestly, in the first act, like somewhere within the first 10 chapters was where I started to really get a hang of the themes that I was writing. So Ina is an assassin, is incredibly strong and um, just rude, a powerful yeah. lady. Like I would never cross her ever. No, <laughs> um, me neither. And um, but she has this different kind of relationship with Cole, who is the person who brought her into this house, who trained her, who um, in her eyes gave her everything that she has. Um, and so in YA or young adult, I think. I mean, it's no secret that sometimes the relationships are not super healthy. Sometimes they're too dependent, or they're just plain toxic but then there's these really cute moments so we kind of ignore it and we pretend like we didn't see the unhealthy things um in your book you are very transparent about the fact that this relationship is toxic that Ina's um identity like she has placed it in coal and it is not a wise choice um why did you choose to make that so evident well so when I first started drafting the book I wasn't sure if I wanted to add any sort of romance element with them. I was literally drafting like the third chapter where she goes into his office and he gives her the job. And I was sitting there thinking, hmm, I don't know, a lot of books do that thing where the girl really likes her boss and I don't know if I want to do that. But then I was like, <laughs> you know, they have a cool, they have like a this sort of tense dynamic mm-hmm. and I'll just try it out. And then by the end of the book, I was like, oh. <laughs> um, I ended up like, accidentally on purpose writing my own experience of being in a past toxic relationship and it just like came out so Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that I decided to try writing it and just see how it happened because that did become sort of one of the major themes of the book was their relationship Mm -hmm. and I definitely didn't want to romanticize it even though there are scenes with Ina where she rationalizes to herself how she feels about him But those scenes are also important because the people who are being abusive or toxic toward you, they're going to 
influence you to like them more. They're going to do things that make you like them. So um, I think it was from a Lee Bardugo interview that I heard recently. She said, toxic people don't look like evil walking on a stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, they're attractive, they're manipulative, they know how to get what they want. Even if, even if they're not doing it on purpose, even if that wasn't their original intention, it can become very much the intention and the dynamic of their relationship. So I think it's important to show how Ina felt about the relationship while having her friends critique it and then having a sort of um, bird's eye view of it. Yeah, I really appreciated that, especially because she is such a strong person um, and she is this really successful assassin and just like kills people for a living. You would think that that kind of person would not let any kind of emotion get to her. So it was really cool to see her internal thought process and realize like, wow, here's this strong, like seemingly independent person and she's having these thoughts that make her look so much less than what she is. So I think you accomplished what you wanted really well. Thank you. Um, That was also something that was important for me to show because there are books where the character has had these kinds of things happen to them in the past and they're sort of already strong when the book starts out. Mm. And those are seen as like the role model characters, the ones that you're supposed to like follow and gain lessons from. But I wanted to show someone who is still in this situation and just because she feels tied to this man doesn't mean she's a weak person it just means she's she has this misconstrued sense of debt where he's concerned she feels like she owes him her entire life and then yeah oh my gosh (laughs) i love everything you just said that and it's so important for exactly the audience who's going to read this book right like young adults Mm -hmm. men women and everything in between and outside of that like somebody who controls you doesn't own you like nobody owns you and it's hard when you're 16 or 17 because you have no other experience with that yet i mean i hope um of someone doing that to you and so you need i think it's so expertly done that you are in um ina's head and then outside of her head to see like oh my gosh this is the mapping of like the topography of this toxic relationship is staggering um thank you so so you did it good job (laughs) i will say this might be a spoiler so it might have to get edited out anyway um but the quote that really stuck with me i can't remember it exactly but it was after she ina had like physically been beaten by cole and she still ends her thought with but i still owed him oh my god yeah yeah. No, yeah. you don't. Oh, it's such yeah. a drag yeah. in the gut of and like, no. <laughs> sort of, um, it's the difference between owing someone and being grateful for a couple of things they've done while still judging them, like, oh, and yeah, not totally. wanting them in your life. Like, okay, yes, he got her off the streets. And so that's something that she can appreciate that he did while still being critical of everything else. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean she owes him. So she's confusing gratitude with debt. You said in your author note in the arc, haha, we get arcs, <laughs> so we get extra Advanced bonus content, copies. <laughs> that in college you were um, homeless, and so you would live in the library, and to yeah. sort of get through this time of not having a home to go to or not having anything to eat, you would write and write and write. So it seems obvious to me that a library is a place you can go for free. They're probably not going to kick you out. Um can you just talk a little bit about what that, how that experience formed and shaped you and shows up in this story? Yeah, um, so I, 
I grew up with my mom in a pretty like poor neighborhood, so poverty wasn't something I was new to. It was just the homelessness aspect by myself wasn't until college. Mm-hmm. That definitely informed my main character, Ina, and then a few of the side characters because most of them have grown up in not ideal situations. And I think with Ina, you can see it because it does contribute to how she views her relationships. She's so used to not getting help from anyone. She's Mm -hmm. so used to just completely being on her own that when Cole walks in and says, hey, I'm going to help you, it's so easy for her to cling to that. Mm -hmm. So her experiences with poverty have influenced her um, self-esteem, her the way that she sees relationships and debt versus gratitude. I really tried to make her experiences slash or her, her experiences, which were informed by my experiences, lend to the way that she interacts with other characters. And another way that it does that is how she, uh, how she sees her job. She's so desperate mm. to keep this job. She will do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she does do and anything. She, yeah. She does <laughs> do anything. Um, constant fear is just losing this job in this home it's just the fear that drives her for the whole book yeah Mm -hmm. well I think thanks for talking about that I think it's very powerful to have said that in your author note and then talk about it here with us because there are so many young people especially in the in this country in the world that are homeless and I think there is fear and tied up with fear is shame and like when you can read a story that feels like your life in an, yeah. in an honest way, even and, in fantasy. It's so powerful. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I recently saw an article by a local organization. I think it's called Larkin Street Youth, and they help homeless youth. I think, I'm not sure what age it starts, but it goes up to like 24 or 25, mm-hmm. and they help them like get off the streets and get back to jobs and school. But they said, that the statistics they have on youth homelessness are really low because it's so invisible. Yeah. Like me, I stayed at a library, but it was my school's library. Mm-hmm. So it was open 24 hours. I had a student ID. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really invisible. I just look like I'm studying, but right. I brought mm-hmm. an extra duffel bag with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We are resourceful and we're resilient as young people. Mm-hmm. So we find ways to, you know, more often than not, we find ways to stay off the actual streets. Sometimes I did have to go there, like because I was homeless during um, like the holiday season uh, mm-hmm. or like October through December, and so the library wasn't open for mm-hmm. several days then. So that was great. But <laughs> yeah, youth homelessness is invisible, and I, or for the large part, and so I think that contributes to feelings of shame with it, mm-hmm. and just not want to talk about it. Like once it's over, you just want to move on. Yeah, <laughs> but it does influence how you're going to react with the world for like years afterwards. Of course. course. Mm -hmm. And you you definitely see that in Ina's life with her relationship with Teo, because there are a couple times in the book where he offers to help her or to have her come home with him where he lives with his mom. And she is just, she always has an excuse or a reason Mm -hmm. to refuse it and she'll rationalize it. We get her thoughts um, in the book, but from the outsider's perspective, you're like, why aren't the, you have this wonderful friend <laughs> and Teo is great. I'm just going to, if you haven't already finished the second book, I'd like to see something happen with Teo. <laughs> if you're taking votes on what happens in your next Teo. book. He's so sweet. What, so what kind. Vote you, Charlotte? <laughs> oh my God. Obviously I want more Teo. How did you first start writing? Um, so I, the 
was always writing little stories. Um, and the first one I wrote was when I was about eight, and it was basically a Sailor Moon ripoff. So <laughs> <laughs> I started writing like book things when I was about 14. I was writing short stories before that. I didn't finish my first novel until I was 18. And even then, um, with each year that went on, I was always writing characters who were about three to five years younger than me. Hmm. I think because I had had the time to process those emotions and then sort of explore them on the page. Yeah. Like those experiences that I had three to five years before. And so when I first wrote um, Diamond City, I wasn't thinking about like which what audience I wanted to sell it to. So I know I was actually 21 in the first draft. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so I, I changed um, some content things in addition to just switching the age because that won't do it. I had to make her younger in other ways too. Yeah. Um, but she was 21 in the first draft and I was 25 when I first wrote it. Uh-huh. So it was still keeping within that like three-year age range. Mm-hmm. And even 18 isn't too far away from where I am now. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's you just not. did the math with your head. I am the same <laughs> age as you, so it can't be that far away for you because it's not that far away for me. Either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there is a small, I think, contingent of adult people who read YA. But then there's also mm-hmm. this whole side of the literary world that's like, ugh, YA, who Blech. cares? Yeah, it's kid. It's literally kid stuff. Now, what would you what would you say as a YA author to stick up for young adult stories and the community of YA readers? Hmm. I think. Um... Unless you don't want to stick up for them, but that strikes me as odd. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so personally, I like reading young adult more often than adult. I do read adult books in middle grade sometimes, but young adult is my favorite to read just for the sort of balance of, um, simplicity and complexity. Um, It can have really complex emotions and complex world building, but it's boiled down in a way that's easier to digest than a lot of, like, for example, a Game of Thrones book (laughs) compared to a young adult (laughs) epic fantasy. Yeah. For me, that's more fun. And while I do like reading some adult books, I I don't necessarily want to be bogged down with all of the, like, background information and, like, nearly thousand pages that a lot of um, fantasy books can take up. Um, So I like that aspect of it. And then I think that the teen years and even like 18, 19, which most of the characters in my book are, it's technically a young adult with crossover mm-hmm. potential book. Um, I think that age group just has so much change that it goes through and just you grow so much during those ages mm-hmm. that even as an adult, you can look back and you can um, analyze certain aspects of your life in a different way, sort of even learn more about yourself or even remember what it was like to be younger and sort of reevaluate where you are in the world instead of getting so caught up in adult life that you lose track of the things that were always important to you when you were younger before you had like your nine to five job or your house and kids and all that. Um, So that's what I would say to adults who are more skeptical of it. And I think a lot of adults who are wary of reading in general or don't read much but I like YA more than a lot of adult books, especially fantasy. That's true. I would agree. Oh, I've never thought of that before. Yeah. What is it like for you when you hear from readers 
And I know it's before your book has published, but from the advanced readers, what is it like when you hear what people think of your book? It's always just a nice surprise and a boost to my day, especially if the readers saw something that, that I really wanted to convey in the story, but I haven't, I guess, advertised as much when I'm talking about my book because it's something that I would want people to see while they're reading. So when reviewers catch on to those things and they really see like my main character's growth, that means so much. And even if it's just, even if it's not that and it's just saying they loved it, it always makes my day. Mm -hmm. One more thematic question for you. I want to respect your time. So we'll let you go after this one. Do you have a favorite bookstore you want to give a shout out to? Ask that yeah, too. Bookshop West Portal in San Francisco. Nice. It's where I'll be having my launch. Um, I just love how big of a kid lit focus there is, uh-huh. and it feels like it's really a part of this little neighborhood um, called West Portal. It's a really cute neighborhood in this city. Um, but yeah, it just has such a huge kid lit focus. Um, awesome. Every time we go in, and the, the booksellers are so knowledgeable. They always have recommendations. Francesca, congratulations on your debut novel. We're so excited to have it on our shelf and hand sell the crap out of it. Diamond um, City is now available as it is January 28th. Woo! Please go get it from your local bookstore. If you're in San Francisco, we can go to West Portal Books. Yes. Yes. And if you're in Madison, come on over to Mystery, Mystery to, me. to Me. And thank you so much for having me. It was really great to talk to you guys. You had great questions. Oh, thanks. It was a pleasure. Thank All you. All right. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. This episode of Open Books was recorded at Mystery to Me in Madison, Wisconsin. You can find us online on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at our website, mysterytomebooks.com. After you've read and loved Diamond City, you can find Francesca on social media as Francesca Flores Author. If you know someone who loves bookstores as much as we do, tell them about this show. It also helps if you rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Open Books is produced by me, Charlotte Kolaluka, who completely forgot to record 15 Seconds of Jane this week. So instead of her playing us out, I'll just tell you this. I texted her to see if she could send me a voice memo, and she wasn't really in a place where she could do that, but she wanted you to know that it would have included a flute solo, like Lizzo.